Hi everyone, welcome in. Great to see you. It feels like it's Lenny Fontana's neighborhood. Each and every week we do it. You know what I'm saying? One better than the other. And here we are today, before I get started on the True House Stories invitation to all of you, I have to make this announcement because I know a lot of you are probably wondering, we were supposed to have Mr. Craig Bartlett today, La America, and next to him is a wonderful man, as you all know, David Banks, aka DJ Disciple. Unfortunately, today we were going to be talking about the 25th anniversary and the birthday year of Craig Bartlett. And he had an emergency and he had to bow out. And trust me, it's not something he really wanted to do, but we all understand. And we also will rebook him because we do love Craig Bartlett from Cardiff, Wales and La America. So welcome to True House Stories. I am Lenny Fontana. And today we got a special by demand guest. I called out to someone who has been in this game a long, long time and now is a book writer. And I'm holding his book. Okay. It's pretty, pretty amazing. We got a book here. We're going to be talking. I'm going to be bringing him up in a second. And he decided when COVID hit that a lot of these stories needed to be told, especially his story starting from apartment houses in Farragut in Brooklyn, and those that know that's in the Red Hook area, to how he crossed the ocean and everything in between, helping a lot of people launch careers because of his radio shows and his record releases and all that. And today, as I showed you before, this book is by Disciple. And he impressed me because he sent me the manuscript early and asked what I thought about it. And it's very well written. It's a part of a story where there's a lot of things missing in New York. You know, everybody talks about the famous church, Paradise Garage. And I say church because Larry the Van would hold Saturday night to Sunday morning mass in there. And he would do it his way. And when that closed, there was a, a void in New York that happened. And there was a lot of things that were going on. And a younger audience was coming up and people were looking for new places to go. And Disciple, through his recollections, puts it all down and gives us, through his eyes, what went down. So I'm going to hold this book aside for a second. And I'm going to bring up the man himself, DJ Disciple. Welcome to True House Stories again, one of our alumni. Thank yes. you so much, Danny, for having me. I appreciate you, my brother. Thank you Thanks. so much. Thank you, brother man. And and it's also already, let me show you, I just keep looking at it. Amazon has already made it a very important piece for your collection. Yes. He's doing quite well. And as well, there's a book launch on the 24th of June, Saturday, here in New York. And they're going to go first. Where? Sorry, disciple. <laughs> It's the 23rd and the 24th. Oh, sorry. Excuse Two me. Two book launches. Two book launches. Him one in New York, one in New Henry, Jersey. Him and Henry Henry Cronk, the writers. I didn't forget. I want to give Henry Cronk uh, a big shout out. And Disciple will explain ex exactly Henry's um, 
contribution to the book and what he did because I wasn't there. But I'll tell you what, 220 pages and very well written. So enough of me talking. Welcome, Disciple, to the show. Thank you so much. And let's hear where are you at since we last saw you because, you know, you gave us your life story about, you know, fatherhood and all that great stuff and still actively DJing. X amount of nights a week in New York, in Brooklyn, and Manhattan. He's not playing around. He's still doing it stronger, better than ever. Um, but we want to hear about it. Tell us. So okay, well, basically, as far as the book that you held in your hand, um, it's co-written by Henry Cronk. He's a freelance journalist, and he covers a number of things. He's done, um, his work appears at Exclaim, and the Burlington Free Press, and I think in 2020, we did um, International DJ, where we focused a lot on the wild pitch. Um, he produced, you know, his podcast, which was Cold Burst. And he lives in Burlington, Vermont. And I met him because I had a lot of stories. I've been documenting and documenting um, since my days on the radio. And it brought me to tears because just a few days ago, um, a guy named Manny Quivitz, you got to check him out on the SoundCloud, DM Tracks, Tracks with three X's. He posts up um, an interview I did with Robert Owens in 1995. Wow. It brought me to tears because he has documentation of radio shows that I've done when T, T. Scott passed away. Yeah. With... Um, we honored Larry LeVan and DJ Basil was playing. Um, he's documenting a lot of footage on his SoundCloud site from DJs that have been mixed in New York and abroad. And I think he told me he had a uh, an interview where Paul Trouble Anderson was doing a mix and he interviewed Byron Stingley on his radio show. So his transatlantic connection on how he gets these shows is incredible. Mm. And just as much as I documented you know, I've been documenting house music since I started the radio show. Right. You know, we started off with uh, like artists like a, a guy named Gerald doing Voodoo Ray or Baby Ford. And I had um, actually I had Orbital on my show when they were hot with that record. I'm um, Chime. So we're very familiar with like some of the old UK house music. Back in the late 80s, especially the, the time of 1988. So I think that, you know, documenting since that time and growing into that time, I think it's a beautiful thing for house music to preserve it. And like you said, we're going to have a, a book launch on the 23rd of June at the New York Public Library with Herb Martin. He's going to be the one that's narrating and on the 24th, we have one at the Newark Public Library. That's with um, a following a party with Naeem Johnson, Ray Vasquez, um, and Deuce Martinez, and DJ Dove. So we're putting house music in the library because we know that it is an American musical institution. And there's not many house music books that have been documented. But we, we could get into all of that later but that's kind of the start of it for me okay so let's let's get right into you know here's the question i ask what drove you to document to write this book 
Right. So basically, there's a lot of missing pieces in our history. One of the histories that we don't really talk about is Grandmaster Flowers, right? Because Grandmaster Flowers was one of the first mobile DJs to mix two records in sequence. Um, and he lived in the same building where I lived. So Grandmaster Flowers is in my story. And he broke records like... Um, he broke records like, I think, um, Ecstasy, Passion, and Pain. Sure. My brother was the bass player for that group when they toiled with, with Barbara Roy. Oh. He also was a leader. He, he, was, he was one of the first DJs that I heard about that was playing exclusive because he would go down to 59th Street back in the day. If we're talking mm -hmm. 1960s, 1970s. Right. And he would go to that 59th, build, 59th Street building where they had all the record labels together and that's how he would have access to those promos. He also worked at Downstairs Records. I think Francois had also talked about his meeting with him. I had heard that, you know, Francois was actually his drummer. And it's so funny how musicians and, and dancers are all connected to this musical movement, right? Right, right. It's so important. So um, I start off with, with, with recognizing him and knowing that like Farragut has a, a very rich tradition, you know, it's, it's on the same block of the church at the open door. And, and one of the guys that were, was playing there, his name is James Missouri. He lived in 234, one of the buildings. And in the late sixties, he played for the Ju Jubilee Corral at the church of the open, open door. Now he's known by Nicky Ciano as the guy that sung on Proud Mary or Right On or Be Free because he was part of the Voices of East Harlem. Right. And these were records that were, because they were known as a gospel funk outfit. And they were played by, you know, Nicky Ciano, who was a resident DJ at the gallery. So gospel and funk music kind of always intertwine. Mm -hmm. And so um, following suit, my, my brother Larry Banks, he also... Um, played at the Church of the Open Door, and people remember the record, Do It Properly, by two Puerto Ricans, a Dominican, and a Black man. Yes. Well, Tanya Wynn was the singer uh, for my brother's choir, as was Mijan Owens. Mijan Owens worked with 95 North and Smack. So there's always been this connection with um, house music in the church, right? When I was growing up as a little boy, um, the Navy Yard was closed. The Navy Brooklyn Navy Yard that, that lived next to me was closed. And so a lot of faith-based institutions started gathering up and collecting a lot of youths and, and utilizing them for, we had a Riverside Drum Corps. I was in the Streamlines. Uh, we had places like Dr. White Community Center yep. and another faith-based institution called St. Anne's. And so as, as we discussed in the last time I was here, obviously, you know, that my brother played the bass, my brother Stanley Banks played the bass for George Benson. Yep. Kenny Carpenter lived across the street from me and Strafe, you know, introduced um, Kenny Carpenter into DJs. But, so, hang on. so wait, so let me just tell everybody this. Kenny Carpenter became resident in Studio 54 in 1980. Strafe went on to do a big record called Set It Off that Walter Gibbons, uh, if I remember correctly, uh, mixed and edited as well. And that was like, if you want to call one of the first DNA of house music, I could really say that would be a record you would consider house music. And these are all the people of living around Disciples Building. 
in his area. So there's a lot of talent coming out of those apartment houses. Go ahead. Right. Uh, and when you think about St. Anne's, there's a guy named Jim Hill. And he was he came up in the 60s. He sponsored the free breakfast program at this at this church. Sure. And so he was kind of some people say he was sponsored by the Black Panthers movement. But he was a social action minister who, who really gave out like free books. You know, he started sports team and taught black liberation and major influence. And he was somebody in our community. But we looked at him. We said, oh, wow, I want to give back, too. You know what I'm saying? And there was another woman that was born in Farragut. Her name was Roberta Davenport. She lived in our building, and then she became principal of one of the schools in the community, PSP07, where my daughter went to and then graduated from. Um, right. Incidentally, um, I was named Parent of the Year last year at that school, PSP07. That's how much I'm proud to be having this dad girl thing. You know, going for myself with my daughter. If you see disciples postings, you'll see a lot of that. He's got constant pictures. They, they're together. They're eating together. He's at the events. So we give him a lot of credit for being that kind of hands-on dad. He's very hands-on with his daughter. And I and I do love talking. Listen, I love talking about my faith because, you know, people make assumption that just because I'm called DJ Disciple, that, you know, I'm supposed to be this strong Christian man. But, you know, faith, like anything else, you know, Lenny, it has its ups and downs. Sometimes you can have strong faith and then you can go to being having little faith or no faith. All right. So in your in your notes, because I'm checking, we talk about faith comes to Brooklyn because. Right. So so let's have that. You know, how does that imply to what you're at in your life? Well, think about it like this. When I started playing the drums, you think about the house artists. How old, say, how old were you? How old were you when you first started playing? I started playing like in my 11, 12, but years, when, I, when I started playing drums, I played a, a church called Ref, Greater Refuge Temple. Got and it. so when you hear the song, There's Gonna Be a Lovely Day by Soul System, the singer Octavia got baptized at my church where I played drums at the same year while she was singing Mama, I Wanna Sing. You see this connection with house music? Octavia Lambertus, everybody. That's right. She's baptized. Same Octavia Lambertus. Yes. And I did a record with her as well. The way that woman could sing her behind off. My God. Right. And so what I'm saying is, is that like, okay, in our faith, we, you know, we practice in, in loving God because we know that like, hey, you know, um, you can have great faith, but sometimes you can look in the book and really describe like, you know, when my mother didn't like church. We didn't connect with church. We connected with house music, right? But as I connected with house music, my faith got weaker. But then she discovered God and her faith got stronger. But right? how does that work? How does that work? You connected to house music and she's connecting now to God. Because she came from, because what happened was, you know, her, her, her mother got pregnant at 14. Oh, she and my great grandfather was a minister. Uh huh. So he kicked my great grandmother out my my house at the house while Julia was just being born. So my mother had to go from place to place. This is in the book. She had to go from place to place. She felt ostracized. You understand what I'm saying? And then my my father came from the war and so forth. So they had similar paths, mm -hmm. and they really didn't really. They saw how people from the faith could get down. And they didn't really like it. They kind of frowned on, you know, me going to church as often as I was going and the commitment that I was having. 
So how does that work? Did someone actually introduce, because if my, you know, normally your mother takes you to church. Nah, she wasn't having it. So who's the one that drags you to the church? Nobody. You know what it was? I fell in love with gospel music because of a drummer named Joel Smith, because I wanted to be a good drummer at the Riversiders. But my brother kept bringing these, these records home by Walter Hawkins and the Hawkins family. So I'm, you know, I'm playing the drums. I said, Dad, this guy, Joel Smith, he got some skills. And I said, okay, let me check this out. And so I started going to like different churches. One of the churches I went to was the Institutional Church of God in Christ. Mm-hmm. And I did, I ran into this drummer named Gerald Haywood. And this guy was a bad drummer. Right now, he's still one of the leading drummers that's out here. And, you know, be it that musical connection Helped me discover. I said, first they got glory into the music, but then I started hearing the words and it, it kind of touched my soul. Then you hear the sermon and it kind of falls in that kind of gap. You know what I'm saying? So, let, so me disciple, let me tell everybody, we're discussing the beat, the scene, the sound with the man himself, DJ Disciple. Yeah. And he's here bringing it with Henry Cron. Of course, Henry's, Henry couldn't make this, but he's going to be at the book. Uh, presentations, the presenting of the book on June 23rd and 24th in New York City and New Jersey. And he, and this is why today, thank God, there is a God because he brought Disciple here to, to cover for us because last minute, I got to give it one more time, Craig Bartlett had to step out and we're getting a great story with our man here. And back right. to, the, to the faith now. Go ahead. So, so, so basically... A lot of people, right, for whatever reason, sometimes they feel left out in the church. It could be for one thing or the other. So when you think about paradise, garage, it helped unify a lot of different people. They fought when when, when HIV and AIDS was out here, they had the gay men's health crisis and they raised money to help fight against AIDS. Similarly to what we see, gospel singers that come from the church that sing, when you're thinking about Barbara Tucker and you're thinking about um, um, all the singers from her, Dawn Tormann, all of that, they inspired me and continue to inspire me when they put together, you know, what Blaze did with the Underground Dance Artists for Life, which was a life beat organization because they believe that house music is an, a utopian idea because when we think of clubs, we think of a sanctuary, right? That's right. A sanctuary that's right. That's, that, that brings people together and everybody becomes like a family. And like sometimes back in the days when you didn't come to the club, they'd be like, yo, where's such and such? I missed her or I missed him. Because that's just, just and sometimes, you know, you'll hear a, a song that touches you right. that a girl, a woman or man sang from that comes from the church. You don't hear that kind of song from the church. No, but not you at still, all. You get, you, you get the gospel song in your heart. They ain't even singing the song. In the church. So hang on. So wait. Back in the day, Disciples Show was female artists screaming gospel tunes that were he was known for breaking those records back in the day. Connie Harvey. I mean, I could think of a thousand names that were coming out of Jersey, all the Jersey underground house sound. And that's what we're trying to say. He sat in Hunter College in a station and in Brooklyn broke out a sound that was so underground, but then became overground. And that's why his book is what we need to all get our hands on, because he talks about that in detail. Right. And I'm saying, like, 
Daryl Pandy came from the church, right? Damn right. He he, he sang for the, the, the Church of Univ Universal Awareness in Chicago. When I fell in love with house music, you better believe, without a doubt, no doubt about it, that Robert Owens had me open from wide tap. From one tap, Robert Owens had me open. But he sung with James Cleveland in the Voices of the Cornerstone. That's right. So when we hear Chuck Roberts, right, he's taking a twist on a Christian text. He's saying, in the beginning, there was Jack, and Jack had a groove. And while they were viciously throwing down in his box, Jack Bodley boldly declared, let there be house. And house music was born. And, 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 and you see, no one understands house because house music is a universal language spoken and understood by all. And how we understand that, Cashmere's putting out, you know, Preacher Man. And so all of these groups are these interconnections with faith, with the church, but it brings a, a, a feeling of unity. Yeah, it brings totally. a feeling of togetherness. And so that's what really house music is about. Now, we have different ideas. In the book, it'll, it'll show you, like in that, that, that text with faith, there's different faiths, there's different belief systems. The guy that introduces me, um, that, that, that gives me the sound system, he's, his name is DJ Debonair. He's a Muslim, but he wanted me to succeed. Um, I had a, a DJ that, that worked with me and when I was doing Sapphire Lounge. His name is DJ Juwandi. He might practice Yoruba. You know, you might have Amir Brooks. He might be, people have different faith. But with house music, everybody comes together. And that's that true because you know, of love that's really what makes house music so strong. Because we never ask each other what church you go to. Nobody no, we into that. the music. We all together because of the music. That's yes. right. And the music, it'll help you. Some people, the music is everything to them because people were getting, we had a whole generation. And we talk, and I talk about Naeem Johnson in this book because there was a period where a lot of people didn't want to get high. They needed to stay clean and sober. And house music got them through that. And I'm talking about people that went to the black box and even Frank's Lounge. Frank's Lounge is in the book. Because it's one of those places where you didn't have to have a bar guarantee or you no. didn't have to be with somebody that took a drink. You could get drunk and high off the music. That's and that's right. the connection that people feel as a family. Well, you know what? I will say this. Going out and hearing other guys play, I didn't need drugs. That right. music lifted you out of the room when you were dancing. It's the way it is. The music is what is the high and, and sometimes the social dynamics change you know what i'm saying and for me my social dynamics changed also in 1990 because i listen i sat under many times i walked into tracks and i sat by david DePino, sat down listen and learn i would go upstairs and hear danny crivet upstairs at tracks sit down listen and learn sometimes come by to see junior vasquez go sit down listen and learn because the, the, the art of DJ is not all about trying to be a superstar. It's about discipling yourself to become a better DJ so you can help spread the love that house music. And there's never been a music that's been together so much since Woodstock since, since that, 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 that's become from house music. We know that. Well, there's so many subgenres now from, from the house music. Right. You know, so many subgenres, which I don't like. 
Right, I, I understand, but here's the other I like thing. I like it being you know why because to me good music shouldn't have a sub it should just be but it is great music right Not, well it's got to be this well way. here's the other thing that house music did right it it, it desensitizes the, all the taboos of the LGBTQ community right it's just wholly different you don't mind going to a house music club somebody's got whatever their sexual orientation was you can have a conversation you can have a talk. We can embrace each other. We can show love and love each other. It's the only music in the world that desensitizes anything related to what your sexual orientation was. That's that why matter. we love this music so much. It didn't matter. Yes, it didn't matter. Didn't, it didn't did matter. you hear me? I'm saying it didn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> so it's so, like we were being judged, and you, it wasn't you had to be rich or poor. Right. It was you were there for the same common cause, so that's why you still have that passion in you today. Yes, and you know what? I'll tell you something, right? I started playing in the East Village in 1990, and I played at the Pyramid Club, which was on 101 Avenue A. I remember. Right? That was my love affair with the collection of just playing music because it was a bar, it was a small bar, it had a small dance floor in the back with a stage. And it was the first time I played there, I was play, playing um, Black Betty by Ram Jam. And then I followed it up by with um, Stand In Line with ESG, right? And it was the first time I played with like people that came from a rock background and a dance background together because we know that Nirvana and Red Hot, Red, Red Hot Chili Peppers, they also played there, right? We know that. And we know that Lady Bunny was a fixture there. And so I, I fell in love with all those clubs that came around from there. I loved Save the Robots. I loved um, going to the, 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 uh, the Choice and the World. All of that, you know, East Manhattan clubs. So even in my 2000s, I played at Sapphire Lounge, as you well know. And then I DJed extensively for almost 10 years at Le Souk and La Vie in a fair. And it goes on and on. But I love that area because... You know, when, when house music becomes a different appetite and you adapt to that appetite, sometimes you can be stagnant if you just stay in that one appetite. Yeah. But the beat, the scene, the sound jump, jumps around a different genres. Now, not everybody's going to like every genre I print in this book. They might not like the bottle service scene, but guess what? There's never been a book written about the bottle service scene from a DJ's point of view. Okay. There's never been a book written about an EDM from... A person that, you know, comes from New York and is from a certain way on that scene. And so by showing these different iterations of house music, it, it kind of has more of like, because we look at Dave Mancuso and we know that the Lost survived disco craze, right? And yeah. I look at house music the same way, right? Because in New York City, we, we I love when Georgie Porgy talked to you last week. And Georgie Porgy said, Oh, you have to value yourself as a DJ. And he said something very important. He said, your energy is your new currency. Remember when he said that last week? Correct, I do remember. Your energy is your new your currency. currency. Right, because you have to value yourself. And so... And care for yourself. Meaning right, and care about, you so, don't sell yourself for nothing. Right, correct. Now, and he, he was connected to that. Now, you want to say something? Yes, I want to give Louis Vega some shout because Louis wrote the forward part of this and I yes. want to read a little bit. I want to read just a paragraph this way people. Louis oh. Vega wrote, 
Brooklyn Braun and Brad, DJ Disciple, has been on the New York City scene since the 1980s. I first heard about Disciple when he had his radio show, The Best Kept Secret, on WNYE-FM. He always played upcoming and unreleased tracks, as well as the hottest house music, always with a unique way of mixing. He lured you into his journey of sounds and had you running around trying to get those tracks at stores, only to find out they were not released yet. As well, I have to thank DJ Camacho because Camacho was the bridge for me to become lifelong friends with Disciple. Camacho brought a lot of us together. I was very close to Camacho and as well, Tyrone Francis. Me and Tyrone Camacho are hung very tight. And here's Tyrone. Tyrone. Mm -hmm. Tyrone Francis, black and yellow parties, but that was a young Tyrone. He's called Angry he's Black. Kill, he's killing it with the black and roll, yellow Angry parties. Black, Angry Black Man, as we all know him, love him. He's like, he is, he'll be my brother forever. He can call and curse me out wherever he likes. But when we pick the phone up together, we pick right up from where we left off. And that's the thing about house music. And I can't say this about anything else I've ever done in my life. I have friends, Disciple has friends. You don't have to see them for 25, 30 years. Within two seconds, you're together. Music brings you right back, right where you left off. If not, it's like the time didn't even, that time length did not exist. So saying that, I want to give Disciple kudos. In the book, there's discussions about it. He writes how there was people who were record producers. I'm not going to mention their names. That got a little bit angry. And you guys are going to have to find this out. That's why you have to get the book. They were angry that he had material very early on. And, and pushing it because he felt he wanted to get it out there and it needed to be heard. And But with that passion, sometimes comes a price. And he knows that price very well. Yes. With the passion disciple, when you were in, in, in the pit of that time, late 80s, 90s on WMYE, mm -hmm. pushing the sound, how important was it for you to have the hottest new joints? Like, and 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 what did that cost you with people's relationships by by not by maybe getting stuff maybe you shouldn't have had that that you said ah I'm gonna put it on? What was that like for you in those days? Well, here's the thing, right? A couple of things happened. Number one, I was getting promos left, right, and center because at this point, about 1990. My, my tapes of my radio show were being sold in the UK. And that's how I met J.P. Furman, because he had, he had heard about my tapes. But the other thing was, I wasn't just trying to champion the music on the radio. I wrote for Street Sound Magazine, as I said before. And I was trying to put artists in a place and review records that I felt that the world needed to know. Now, at this point, hip-hop is going on, hip-hop is strong. But when you think about Kaleem Shabazz and Kim Lightfoot and a lot of people that on parties like Herb Martin that kept their parties going, one of the things that we have done as New Yorkers and we still to do today that Georgie Porgy talked about was that we all built our own ecosystem. And this is going on today. When you hear about my friend Louis Vega, Louis Vega with Kevin Hedge had roots in Cielo. They built their own ecosystem. When you see Tony Touch and Voodoo Ray, they do, they have the, the funk box. You got Ian Friday, DJ Ceres, 
Stan Zeff is bringing a lot of collective DJs together. Even my friends, um, 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 DJ Aquabee, all these DJs build their own um, their own ecosystem. When I look at Becky Nunez, an amazing promoter, she's bringing different DJs from different backgrounds. And more importantly, what we don't really talk about is the women in our scenes, the DJ Nubians, the Shonda Trents, the, the Natasha Diggs, the Remarkables, the Risa Garcias. These are women that they're not just breaking open the, the doors for other women. They're crushing it. They're smashing it. When I hear a, 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 a good room set from a, a Risa Garcia or I see a DJ Remarkable, Donna Edwards has always smashed it. And Peg has always smashed it and built their own ecosystem. The women in our industry have played a vital part. The radio show that I played on, it wasn't just about pushing the tunes, but my mother, who I connected with in house music, also pushed me to have women in position to succeed in this industry. My mother was responsible for that, to make sure that we had a show where women could be present and because they are an important part in our scene. We just look at women as managers, or we look at women as, as like that's influential, like Abigail Adams that did moving records that helped do, do license to deal and help build the New Jersey coalition so that this way events don't conflict with each other. I hope I'm not getting too deep here, but women also play such an important part of our industry and they continue to break inroads for other females to do what they do. And that has made the scene better for it. Yeah, it's it, 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 no. <laughs> And that's it, all folks. I gotta thank some Let's leave right now. Leave <laughs> right there. I gotta thank David Morales last week because Sunday Church Mass for having me as a guest. What a great time on Twitch. Always follow our man David, official David Morales. He's doing it each and every Sunday. He never misses a beat. And also Hector Romero. It was wonderful playing on the show. I want to give faith when we talk about in faith and God's faith. We also want to give Faith Magazine, Defected, a big thank you and a shout out. You're talking about Tony Humphreys this month, House of Extravaganza, Underground Network, which is a big, you know, disciples just mentioned about women, Barbara Tucker. A woman needs to nice. be heard. She lets her voice be heard through music and her preaching. And as well, I'm in this article, A Shameless Plug and Journey into Sound. And please get your free copy of Faith. And also on Amazon, let me go to the Amazon link. I wish I had a secondary operator. On WNYE, he used to have his, his I remember he used to have that girl say, what was her name? I'm in. Yes. Arlene, Lachey. Yeah, yeah. He was also on the show. Oh, my God. She be there greeting everybody. Take so look at this hot new release, best selling new and future releases right there. The beat, the scene, the sound. Get your copy on Amazon. Remember, DJ Disciple, the beat, the scene, the sound. When your mama told you that women were important, did you really at first believe that? I knew it because. The bottom line, it was women were leading me into prayer and I still do prayer meetings now in the church that I go to. Um, and it's because of the legacy that my mother left behind because nobody goes to church because we're perfect. We go to church because we're forgiven. 
Right. That's a way we don't go to church because we perfect. We go, and it's the same reason why we go to the club. We don't go to the club because we knew that we got high the week before, and we promised ourselves, well, maybe this time I'm not gonna get high. But if I and get sometimes high, sometimes we overcome that, and we got to strength and overcome it because we get it through the music. So when you really look at it, like you know, on a UK side, and we talk about our connections of the people that's instrumental with ha having me over. And I think of Deli G and let's get Deli G from a Lakota in Bristol. That's still going strong. Hold on, hold on. Deli G called up a little while ago. He wanted us to let us know, let everybody know out there. Saturday, <laughs> 22nd of July, Disciple the returns back to the UK to play. <laughs> He's coming back. How long has it been since you've been out there? 14 years. The last gig I did was Say that for, again. Wait, I'm, I'm sorry. 14 years. 14 years. Four, one four, everyone. He's coming back. People don't know who I am anymore. It's like, who? Disciple who? If you don't got that hit record right now that's bubbling, it's like out of sight, out of mind. But that's the way the game works. And you got to charge it to the game. I mean, I thought I was never coming back to the UK because I'm a girl dad. And I'm proud of that. And I don't, you know, I work a lot hard in my community. I wanted to kind of leave it like the way it was. Like, you know, everybody was high on the music when I did my last set. And I just wanted to leave it nice and tidy like that. But I think that, you know, in trying to get this book in libraries, to try to get it in, I mean, in outlets, I'm just trying to say that this is history. And that, you know, my stories might not be glaringly, like, there's not a, there's some drug use in the story, I'm sure, but it ain't, it's really just showing our contributions. It's showing as a New Yorker from the social justice point of view, what we had to go through, through, through the AIDS epidemic, through the crack epidemic, through the, through the broken windows policy, through all of that, which you had to go through in New York. So there's a so social justice angle to this book that people maybe may not understand in the UK. But they'll understand the story. Okay. So, one of the road warriors I know in this game was this man right here. I mean, when I mean road warriors, because, you know, a lot of UK people watch this show and Europeans. How does the book talk to them? Because you talk a lot about that part of, the, of that as well. That's an important part of your life, what you did in the UK. So, basically, you know, we talked last time about you know the plane crash incident but the bottom line is is that when you're touring um can you quickly where, recap recap that plane crash for everybody because you got some new people watching they may not have known what you mean well, basically i was heading like i was i was working extensively going across different countries to amsterdam to 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 greece to switzerland to germany all these different places and so when I took off to go to Mallorca, um, the plane caught on fire, and I, I realized how far I'd fallen from my faith. And when you say you fall from your faith, that means you didn't, you don't, you don't, you don't go out to worship anymore. You don't read the word anymore. You don't pray anymore. You don't have no more prayer life. So other stuff starts to creep in. Right. And so, um, but also as well, I just have a hard time turning. At that time, I was having a hard time turning down gigs because. Like Georgie Porgy, and I'm gonna keep re reiterating on Georgie Porgy. Let me show you the flyer, everybody. Look at this. Look at this schedule. 
back in the day. That's 1999. Look at that. Birmingham, Manchester, Huddersfield, Sheffield, Leeds, London, London. You know what I'm saying? He's going from city to city. I want to real be dirty, titty to titty. <laughs> right. And so, and so basically, Lenny. <laughs> I didn't mean to because we're both fathers. We're a lot older, but I would have said that back right. in the day. And so basically, you know, when you're dealing with that level of loneliness, seriously, though, seriously, when you're dealing with that, 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 that level of loneliness, if you don't have the right agency riding with you, and they just, you know, they can chew you up and spit you out. If you if you don't have the right agency, you know, sometimes your credibility could go out the window. And sometimes you can go through an episode of mental health issues that you didn't know existed. Just the loneliness of just seeing airports, hotels, and cabs on a regular basis. And you having to deal with Maybe the promoter is not gonna pay me the balance of the fee. Disciple, maybe... did you did you have when with the plane crash? Did you have an actual mental breakdown? I felt that yes, because you know you get to a point wherein you know what I'm saying like a real like I mean like it, it, I, I'm gonna bring up Sam Devine. She was just on the show. You want to mm -hmm. talk about females? Yeah, I watched it. Okay, Sam Devine mentioned something that she never mentioned anywhere else. She said, I, I, well, exactly, if I remember correctly, in the sequence of events, COVID hit, everything came to a complete halt. I hit rock bottom because of the emotions, which brought me to a mental breakdown, which made me go to a suicide event. You know what I'm saying? We're not talking that happens to everybody. Right. But there is life-changing moments, a, a plane going on fire and crashing. It's not something I would like to say lightly, you know. It's, well, it's here, here's here's a situation, Lenny. Check this out. You know what I'm saying? Finding let's God. Let's so you're in the seat going, "Oh my God, God, please let me get through this. God, please let me, please." You know, right? Come on. I mean, sometimes it don't have to be as serious as a plane crash. Sometimes it can be as serious as this. Go ahead. We see Louis Vega. Yep, he's an amazing DJ. He's playing all these different places around the world. But sometimes as a DJ, you feel insufficient because you're watching him and Roger and all these other DJs making all these moves and you're not moving anywhere. And you feel, you might feel undervalued or insufficient or somebody that washed up because maybe you had something in the past, but some people feel like, you know what, you washed up, you ain't got it no more. You ain't got the connections. You ain't got the manager. You ain't got, and you got to climb back and you fall into a depression because your money value has fallen. <laughs> you could, you could, you could have a nice house and you built a whole empire and say for instance, one allegation comes calling. Everything's oh, it's happened. Down. You've seen it happen many times. Oh, everything goes, comes crawling down and now you're not sufficient anymore. You're not valued anymore. You're not that person anymore. That's right. And it's about what do you hold on to when that doesn't happen to you anymore? For me, my faith kicked in. But for some other people, they might have something else that helps them, that, that, that self-esteem. And you can get low self-esteem in this business. When, a, when, a, when I was doing the bottle service scene, there's a lot of guys that come out and say, listen, I know Disciple's talented, but I got a bottle and I got 30 people that want a table.
what we doing right now? And do they value the music or do they value what they're going to get paid at the end of the night? Because that person is going to spend a few extra thousand dollars more than what you would pay a DJ for free that would pay those people. So navigating through all those situations mentally as DJs is things that we have to confront, that we have to deal with. Look, um, we came up in the drug era. Oh. Right? So you you uh, faced that situation before where, where 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 you might know an undercover cop, he might want you to do a bust and buy, help him with a bust and buy. Then you 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 in the area, the guy that you know play, he knows you play at the club. He wants he, he wants he want to hang with you so he can sell a drug. That's right. Then I'm the token black guy in the club. They want to know where they can get the drug. Meanwhile, the DJ that you're playing for that's opening for you is selling the drug. So you got to navigate constantly through situations where you play for a DJ and the DJ that's playing before you don't have the etiquette. And he's going to play all the hits. And when he plays all the hits, all his people that he brought with leave. And it don't matter what you play, it's never going to be good enough because you didn't bring the people to support you. That's right. Because it's not your people <laughs> right? here. That's not your people. That's some bought. That's some bought, as I call it, right? a sellout. There's, a lot of, there's some dance floor politics because. They, he know your he knows his disciple. Guy. Wait, wait, wait! In the he book, don't want to make you look good. Wait, <laughs> in the book, disciple speaks about. It. I remember reading this part because I read the book really well. That he actually put in, if I remember correctly, he put an ad in Craigslist for women dancers to yes. bring his own dancers in the club, so he had his people guaranteed to lead the flock. So as he DJed, he had his people dancing, and it brought more and more and more. So he yeah, Craigslist dances was important because what right. it did was what Craigslist this dances did was first of all, I'm in my late thirties and forties. I'm not trying to go out to meet some 19, 20, 21, 22 year old and try to get convince them to come hear me DJ. They're gonna be like, "Who's this old creep coming up to me telling me he want to go to a party?" Yeah, really. So I hired party motivators. Right. And party motivators, and I put up in the Craigslist ad, hey, there's no nudity, there's no stripping, just come with some energy and just dance. You get this amount at the, at the end of the night. Bring a friend. Well, if, if five girls or six girls bring their friends, that's 30 people. So now when the promoter want to leave with his people, because a lot of times this happens, especially in the bottle service scene. Yep. The regular people would be there. The bottle service guy or the promoter would leave with all his people. So all his other, all the other people are gonna leave, right? So what winds up happening is I hired the dancers. Oh, the people stay. Oh, so other people. new promoters. Yeah, because there's people there. There's people there to stay dancing. So that makes you kind of in a situation where you become unfireable, <laughs> right? So, so, so you become that, and then. Other promoters see that, then they say, oh, well, you can work at my establishment. So as I said in the first interview, I, I did work in the scene nonstop from 1998 all the way up until 2017, 2018. 
disciple brought something to my attention and he reminded me about this. And this is part of the reason why this book has been written. Let's look at this for a second. He, he brought this over to remind me about this today and ask me my views about it. I have my view. I've always loved black music and he knows that. I was he played a lot of my music on his show. So he knew my he knows my my my, my love in my heart. But there's a real reason he brought this up. There's another reason why he wrote the book. There's all these pieces. He's tying them together. Where does that bring us? Dance music is black music. How do you feel about that? And why is that important for that message to be clear? Well, I, when when DJ Magazine brought that out, right? Because they 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 first of all they did their first top one hundred DJ poll in nineteen ninety three, and I was on that list. And being on that list helped me; it, it profoundly helped me. Okay, it was a it was an in house list that was chosen for DJs that had the great skills and they knew how to move the crowd. But as the poll got famous and the EDM started keep creeping in, the trans started creeping in, you know, people was feeling like the list was getting whitewashed, right? And in 2018, they did another list, you know, because they see that they was lacking diversity and they made a pledge during the George Floyd situation to support the grassroots initiative with business practices and polls and awards and live events. Right. But what we're seeing in New York City is that, like, even though they're doing that and they, they're bringing awareness to that and we appreciated that. I also appreciate a um, the hyper development of nightclubs that are going on in New York City. You got your silos, your knockdown centers. It's an exciting time for DJs to break open and follow new scenes because some people follow scenes and not clubs and vice versa. Some people follow clubs and not scenes. And so what Georgie Porgy was saying last week was like, we need to support our own ecosystem. So now we're seeing like Lil Ray go to Jamaica or we'll see other people go more to the Caribbean because since the start, house music has always been infused with Latin and Afro rhythms. In the Caribbean. And so in the Caribbean rhythms. Yeah. So now we have our own language of wherein even, even with the ages, there's more people that's going out that's in their 50s and 60s that can find healing in the music to help them live longer, right? You see uh, Marcus White do Tulum. He's doing all these yoga parties, right? There's people that's doing ancestral parties because house music is forever fusion friendly. And so if it's fusion friendly like that and we can be accepted, we don't have to look to other people to find that acceptance but it's good to be acknowledged and say okay we we want to be recognized we want that to build and i'm happy for 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 once that like i'm happy that dj magazine has taken that step like there's artists and labels and communities that have been better than they've been in the past with business practices now we still got an issue with spotify we still got an issue and i I pledged to myself after a certain time that I didn't want to accept any more music in perpetuity. I didn't want to deal with any music that dealt with me giving somebody giving me a record for life. I didn't want that anymore because 
I've let somebody do a remix for me. I pay them. And if the record blows up, I give them a piece of the publishing. And I do that with my label. Um, one guy I did, a, uh, I, I'm doing work with, and I have done work with, he didn't want to fight in the Ukraine war. He didn't want to be involved. So he had to leave his studio stuff. And his name, you know, I'm not going to say his name, but he had to leave his studio stuff behind because he didn't want to fight in the Ukraine war. And him remixing and producing songs is helping him get through the travesties that he has to deal with between the Ukraine and Russia. This happened to me, and I've seen this before with my man Baggy Begovich, because Baggy Begovich is huge. And he's always been huge to me because he came out of the Bosnian crisis. <laughs> that was even a little bit lighter then. But he came from the Bosnian crisis, and basically he survived it. And he made it big on the festival scene in Amsterdam. And so what I seen how the festival scene worked in Amsterdam, he was the guy that kind of helped me because he said, wait a minute, there's no deep house in the Netherlands. And so he started bringing over DJs to help promote deep house in the Netherlands. Mm, yep. Through that and through the fact, I mean, I put out a CD with him called Addicted to Baggy Begovich in, the, in Amsterdam because I understand like house music always changes. It always changes vibes. It it always changes, you know, direction. And sometimes if you're around for the for the changes, it's like what Grandmaster Flowers used to say to me at the Underground Network before he passed. He says, listen, if you're in front of the right set of circumstances, there's nothing that you can't do. If right. you got the right people that believe in you, there's nothing that you can't do. You're unstoppable. It can be unstoppable. With this music, with this movement, it's beautiful music. There's nothing wrong with it. It's gorgeous music. It's just that the in the problem with the music is that was something that was made that was beautiful. When it is money involved, gets very ugly. That's the problem with it. Right, and so and so people are always going to have and take issues and umbrage. Like when we saw the article that said that Beyonce started Acid House. That's that come on, that was, no, no, that's ridiculous. Right. So so this is the this is the thing, right? That's the news. But, but what do we do with that news? You know what? The way we look at it is like this. I think that right now we're in a position to develop new artists all over again. I right? agree. You can see the track source on Aaron K. There's amazing artists that you can find on track source. New artists that's doing amazing work that can have a platform for a State 51. Or, or or Southport Weekend, uh, or, you know, and they have done so for years. Most of us have traveled overseas to make the bulk of our money, but that's not exclusive to, to, to DJs. Dancers have done this as well, which is why also dancers is part of this book. Because nobody in the UK really knows who E. Joe Wilson is. They don't know who Brian Footwork Green is or Marjorie Smith, but the dancers also play out on voodoo ray especially they play an important part of our house music movement That's and right. we can't remove them and be relevant ourselves without them That's sure. what i'm saying let me show some history here some people that are no longer with us the wonderful phil asher okay i mean disciple has a lot of you know him playing in la america look at this you know there was a time you know, he was at privilege in a visa. You know, and, and he 
and that's Tom Stefan. You know, he wants to come back and he wants to rock you guys over there in the UK. Danny Dan Danny Rampling from Love Group BBC Radio One. I mean, here's here's a picture. It's magical. The the man himself, may he rest in peace, Paul Trouble Anderson. Uh, you know, it don't get better than that. I mean, look, he was at Boogie Wonderland. You know, Coney Island in Brooklyn doing it. He's done it everywhere. Look. Dawn Tolman. I was just talking about this with last week with, with um, Georgie about his record is incredible with mm. her. You know, Bobby and Steve. I mean, he was part of the Bar Rumba crew. Chrissy right. Dean, all of them. I mean, he's, you know. Disciples and that's Ejo with Becky, who is my favorite promoter of all time. Yeah, Ejo. And there's Disciple. I mean, look, if, you know. You got to get his book. I was blessed to get my copy. And I will say, I'm so glad after reading it, he reminds us. And also to some of you that never knew about this part of what happened after Garage closed up until everyone started traveling abroad. Yeah, there was people traveling. But I mean, when the house music thing exploded, the yeah. 90s, he talks about this in detail in the beat, the scene, and the sound. So you got to understand it's one of the best things I've I've read in a long time. From a DJ's perspective, not not you know an author who sat us all down and interviewed us and then wrote a catharsis of what he thinks is, you know the way it happened. Disciple lived it. No one better than him to tell this story. Disciple, what what would you say the most favorite period of your time in your life was musically? You know, I can't say because here's the thing, right? I was never I was never one to frown upon any scene. Explain, you know, see, explain, because we spoke about that off camera. Right. What is that I was mean? never so. So when the UK garage scene came, I never really frowned on it because I had friends in that scene, and I had never seen that large group of DJs from the UK that were black working. So at that time, I, Omar Adamara, he kind of baptized me in that scene by introducing me to DJ Smooth Spoony. Matt Jam Lamont, Carl Tough Enough Brown, you know, the Dream Team, all these guys. So that was a different tangent from what I met from Ricky Morrison, um, you know, Funky P, Paul Trouble Anderson. Even though when I when I first started coming to the loft, I saw Spoonie play one time at the loft, opening for Paul Trouble Anderson. Matt Jam Lamont, too. But going to legends and going to certain London venues. It kind of opened me up to like, okay, I could ride with this. But it, more importantly, I appreciated, at first I didn't, but I, I learned to appreciate the MC culture in the UK garage scene because it reminded me so much of when Flowers and so many other DJs back in the days used to rock in the park and they used to have the MCs. We see the MC culture with Mr. Mike. We see the MC culture with... Dutch DJs, when they first started doing festivals, the MCs had their own following to mesh in. Yes. So collectively, there's a lot of different scenes that this book talks about 
because it's not just one scene. It's not just one movement. It's not just one beat. It's not, it's, it's, it's inclusive to where we at. Now there's some scenes that I never played in and there's some, some parties I never been to, or even if I've been to, I didn't, that wasn't really part of my journey. But I think that we have to learn how to love our legends. Right now, we just heard that Tina Turner just passed away at 83 years old. She just passed away just now. That's what the news is saying. Today? So, yeah. So, what? You know, yeah. She just passed away. Oh my and God. So, I'm stuck watching the show. I'm actually, I'm, <laughs> I'm stuck watching the show right now. I have no idea. But, yeah. And so, when we look at, like, that's why I, I, I continue to say, like, the women in our industry and every industry is so important and vital to development in any musical movement that we do. I'm checking this. I have to get the news first here. Hang on. <laughs> okay, okay. This I'm not laughing at that situation. I'm laughing at your reaction. I was but like, yeah, man, I just think that um, it's a sad situation that she has passed. I feel bad that she yes. has passed. Yes, everyone. I, she was a legend yes. to all of us. Tina um, Turner. So many monumental hits. Tina Turner dies, age 83. Yeah, I feel bad about it, you know. It hasn't dawned on me, but it, it's a crying moment for so many people that were fans of her. Queen of rock and roll has died. Yeah. And it's it's just, you you have to cherish everybody while they're here because we don't know. Let me tell you something. When Camacho passed away, when Colonel Abrams passed away, when all those house legends, a lot of them that's in this book passed away, I said that there had to be something said for them that people don't forget who they were, our voodoo rays. All those Frankie Knuckles, Larry LeVan, all of those heroes, we find recognition in this book. But more importantly, people like Tina Turner, the world stops. We could discuss about true st how stories, but get that we, book. When we're in the face of legendary, get that book. When we're in the face of legends, it's serious. That book. Get this book. Trust yeah. in me. Trust in your brother here. Get this book. He took so, his heart. Um, he poured his heart. He, you know, one thing I have to say about disciple is too damn honest sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> because that's why he gets himself in trouble over the years because he's been telling everybody what they need to be hearing and nobody wants to hear it but I'm going to say it again the truth be told the beat, the scene, the sound the rise and fall and the rebirth of house music in New York City and abroad because he talks about Sheffield he talks about all those parties legendary parties up in the north of England they were big transcending parties for a lot of us that were coming over thankfully created us and gave us a life, you know? And I say life in a sense of career, a very well career, a lot of it, a lot of us. Without that UK and Europe, that would have been rough for us to keep this going on and on because it's this fads and scenes. Like he said, ecosystem. Each ecosystem created has a life and then eventually, like everything in life, dies or changes and you're yeah. not always in fashion or you're not always in vogue and what do you have to do 
you have to do what we call a restart and rebrand and reset and re-go. And as it gets, you get older, it gets harder. It's not an easy thing for everybody. There's very few, very few on the pyramid that are on the top. And everybody else is doing this sliding and, you know, or up going down. up and sliding and going up and sliding down, right, over and over. And, you know, the reality is he touches that in here. You'll see what I mean. Like, if you read it, you'll understand what I mean. And I and I recommend it. I mean, playing like, north, north, playing in the um in the north with Grand Park, with Dan Rappling, with Pete Tong. Those were memories that you never forget as long as you live, because you know th those are DJs that will always be held in high esteem. DJ Paulette, Smoking yeah. Joe, all those DJs are always held in high esteem because of their contribution to house music in their fields. And I can so honestly say that. It's been a pleasure, and nobody doesn't get anything out of this book, to know that we served me and Henry. Because it's not me by myself. This is also Henry. EJ Disciple and Henry Kronk. Yeah, this is Henry Kronk. And Henry Kronk is the one that helped maneuver this book together for me. Because I got a lot of stories, but he helped me put it together in a way that's compelling and that touches people and that is part of history. Come June 23rd and 24th in the New York Public Library, that's where house music be. In the New York Public Library and in Newark, New Jersey Public Library, we will make house music history for sure. For and sure. don't forget the after party to rock your socks On all 24th. night long, 4 p.m. to 10 p.m. Deuce Martinez and all the special friends. Of course, the cycle those that remember are old enough to remember when WBLS used to host Naeem Johnson's Master Mixes. We talked about that many times. Ray Vasquez, a Brooklyn favorite. And I had to ask you this question. DJ Dove is also on the bill. Did you discover Dove or did you guys meet by chance? It's in the book. That's what I mean. But the Those thing, about, Dove, the thing about DJ Dove is... I just did a record with him that's charting at TrackSource right now as we speak. Go the record's called To The Deep. And somebody special is doing the remix that you wouldn't believe is doing the remix of his record. I ain't going to say who it is. But DJ Dove is an amazing talent. Um, he's guy. my friend for life. He's, you know, he's like, you know, me and him are like, like this. And so DJ Dove is, he's the one that helped introduce me to a lot of things. I put him on the music, but he he put me on to certain scenes that I'll never forget about. And he is in his own way legendary. On that note, I think we covered everything, Disciple, yeah. without giving too much away. We don't want to give the candy store and all the candy away. No. want to give you just a can, little taste of the candy. One more time, make sure you actually get your copy here. At Amazon, what did I do with that Amazon thing? It's a bestseller. Oh my god! And it's already, you know, what's crazy? When Disciple announced it, he said, "I actually got three hundred people coming to this sit down that they're doing at the public library the first night, first day." And you know that says a lot because this is not a book. You know, it's a Nietzsche book. It's a special book. It's a book that is a scene. That, yes, house music is massive, right? House music is everything. 
House music has metamorphosized in so many different ways, okay? Different genres, different things, different tribal house, Afro house, happy house, handbag house, super house, funky house, soulful house, and on and on and on and on. But I will say this. The struggle is real. Trust that. The struggle is real. I know. I mean, it's real. It's hard when you love something so much and you do it with so much passion. And I know a lot of brothers and sisters can't make any money with it. And then there's others that feast with doing very little. And then the other scenes, you know, it's, it is what it is. But, you know, in faith, keep prayer in faith, all of you. Yes, keep your faith alive. Keep your faith alive. And I, you know, I had to stop traveling because, listen, house music can cost you. And some things you never can get back. I'm happy that I chose to stay off the road so that I could be with my daughter, so that I can build that relationship with her and love her. Because house music could be your wife. The studio could be your lover. You might never let it go. But when you have good balance and you make good choices and good decisions, that also counts for something. And, you know, right now I just choose my family. And I love house music and I will always commit to it. But, um, you Don't know. Don't ever family. stop, disciple. Don't, you know what? You still I'm not going to stop, but you know what I mean. He modified. It's time and place. Modified. He modified himself to go with the times. Yeah. It's going to touch the UK again. Very soon. Watch also, out. I'll play for Bobby and Steve as well. Oh, Gene. yeah, of course. In London. July 16th, I will be with Bobby and Steve um, for their dance for Stevie. And as you know, I, I love Stevie. Um, I love Bobby and Steve. They helped me in the UK scene. They helped me with a lot of different places that I've been in my life. And I owe them all the gratitude. But once again, to everybody out there, deep condolences to Tina Turner. We are so sorry that she has left the plane, but she has lived an incredible life and inspired every one of us. Yeah, telling you, they can't, you can't, I watched her, and it's funny, I watched her documentary, it's very well done. And those also been also uh, during this week talking about books and docs, Mon this past Saturday night, we watched the Donna Summer documentary too. That's a whole other thing from the family's perspective. What did you think of that documentary? Okay, from the family's perspective, I thought it was very well done. From the industry standpoint, they left a lot out. Okay. You know, they left a lot out about the DJs that helped break the records, the actual albums themselves, the sequencing. They spoke, and I can understand, the daughter, Brooklyn, and the older daughter, Mimi, really put this thing together. So you're seeing it from the visualization and their eyes. They're I not, think, yeah. They're not going to know all the ins and outs of the industry stuff, Okay. So you're getting more of a perspective from a family person than, say, like taking it from a book and breaking it down into the movie. But I still loved it because I'm a big Donna Summer fan. So I couldn't say no to her. I, I learned a lot of things that she spoke about that from her films that they showed, not reenactments, her films. It was pretty, pretty impressive. But, you know, you get people I'm watching on Facebook. They're saying this was not right. This should have been said. I think that it was, I think in my opinion, I think to a certain, if you look deep into it, I think it was cautionary. And sad. Cautionary. And not sad, but just very cautionary. Because there was things said, things done, 
that that leads to say you got to be careful about how you move in this direction. Yeah. You got to be careful about what you say in this direction. You got you should be able to show this in this direction. So it does give you some cautionary steps as an individual that you need to take in order to become a better person. Mm -hmm. And I think that we can all learn from that, but we also admire the accomplishments and achievements and the things that she's done that no woman has ever done. Be the first one to be on MTV. Oh yeah. First black woman to be artist. Yes. To break through. I've said this black dance artist on MTV, which was Spandu ballet and all these white, UK groups coming. She pops through. Yes. Of course, she's iconic. Yes, she's the girl from 1977, 79, 76, 75. We got that. But it's her and not someone manufactured like an ABBA. Right. You know what I'm saying? It was, yeah. it was her. Come on. Like she said, how many? What's the odds? And this came from her own mouth. It's a million to one for a black African gospel singing girl to go to Germany make it in Germany and be imported like a European import. And What's, it goes back to what we first started about, to, talked about too. It's really about, it's really about talking about somebody that came from the church. Right. One get church. Right. Away, they, church. Came about, they came from the church, the Sylvester's, the Donna's, and they touched you and they okay. gave you that song. You couldn't get it in church, but you got it in here. And they extended that to you. No Hell matter yes. where you came from. Hell yes. Amen. Thank you, <laughs> disciple. Get his book. Get his book and follow him. And also send him some mail. Say to disciple, we want to see you out more playing around the world. <laughs> Bother him. Get him. Make him make him make him make a make a make a make a clap for this. Make a make a clap. You know what I'm saying? He's got to make him come out and make him do his thing because he is magical behind the wheels of steel. He has not lost it. He's still got the energy of an 18-year-old. He's crazy. He's nuts. And that's why we love Disciple. Congratulations, my friend. Much success. One more time. The beat, the scene, the sound, the recollection. Thank you, Louis Vega. I love Louis Vega for what he's done. And Roger Sanchez and yourself. And Mickey Affleck, I have to say. Mickey Affleck. Where is, is Mickey? That, she is that woman. She's coming, y'all. She's coming. She's coming. coming for y'all. She's coming, Mickey. She's Apple. coming. She's coming for y'all. Mickey Nunez is coming. Yeah. <laughs> Get your copy. And thanks again. Next week, we got Terry Spammer. Deja Vu. Deja Vu. Oh, and I played there before. I love Deja oh, I know Vu. I know you played Deja Vu. Woo! <laughs> and that's what I'm saying. Terry Spammer wrote something so I saw a posting. He said, I was working in Ibiza. Don't tell me about age. Age is a number. I was working 26 hours a day. And of course, it's only 24. And I worked my behind off and with the passion and love. I didn't even feel it because I love so much what we do. So don't come without telling us that we're getting old. We're getting better. Yeah, I mean, I got, I still got videos on YouTube of me DJing at Deja Vu. Yeah, show them, everybody. And Ho, that's, that's no joke. And they Deja know Vu's their music. Deja they Deja know Vu. their music in Ho. I Cole know and Leeds. Big shout out to my boy Tony Walker. You know, Sheffield. I'm still looking for him, but big shout out to him. You know what I mean? Me Tony and him, Walker. we did crazy things together, obviously, doing a radio show. The first American DJ to do a radio show in the UK. 
all on the whole of oh. England. Oh, yes. And forget, when the internet was still run by NASA, this man here that I've been talking to today was vlogging when vlogging wasn't even a thing yet. All right. So he's actually has some very early accomplishments as technology was starting to take hold. If I could just take a second. First of all, after I, I, I wrote for Street Sound, it got bought out by Pseudo.com in 1997. So I think you have a photo of me and Twilo playing at Twilo. This is why that happened is because the 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 DJ Emily and Chris Dino, Terry Disciple, yep, Emily. Right. And so basically what we were doing, we were vlogging. I would go and I have it on YouTube. You could go to YouTube and just see type in DJ Disciple vlogging, pseudo.com. And I'm the first American to actually vlog overseas on the internet. The first American to do that, doing the global house shows and doing D DJ Emily, they had local stuff there, but there was nobody on the internet shooting themselves overseas and putting it on the internet. I was doing that in 1997 and 1998. And that's not in the book. It shows that I was doing internet stuff, but not that particularly. But you'll see me in the UK, in Spain, in Toronto, Denver, San Francisco. I was vlogging then before they started doing internet vlogging with what you see right now um, on Instagram and things of that nature. So, yeah, I was the first American DJ vlogging. Yeah, that's a tour with Tony Walker back in the days. Yeah, Tony Walker. All those days, 20s, yeah. Going so, crazy. And Hole is in that in that list. Well, you, if you put that flyer up again, you'll see that Hole in there. Um, yeah. There it is, Deja Vu. Yeah. May 1st at <laughs> yesterday's. Oh, my God. Garage City, Bar Rumba, Fandango, Lakota, Bristol, Coach. In Bambridge, I mean, it, you know, this man played like I said, city to city. He didn't. So miss I me. always, I will always love the UK. They will always have my heart. I will always love the UK. I love Alex Lowe. I love Mad John. I love all those guys. Um, even the resident DJs, the Miles and Elliots from Hard Times, the Stephen Rains, all of those guys. I will always forever love. I love the residents just as much as I love the scene and the music they, that they broke because they knew how to cultivate and break music for their audiences and make them anthems. So I'm always going to be grateful to the UK. Like I said, all of us would not have the careers we all have or had. If it wasn't for the UK. If it wasn't for the UK. And okay. on that note, we'll see you all next week. Get, get this man's book. Now, Stay with us, Disciple. One second. Stay with us. Remember takes passion and heart and a dream to bring something to print. And I got to give him a lot of credit because it takes a lot of time. You got to dedicate yourself to sit down and write. And he's been writing a long time, but he, you know what? I remember him saying, I'm writing a book. And I just said, good luck. Congratulations. And when the book came in the mail, I was totally blown away and impressed. And on that note, good night, everyone around the world. See you all next week. Peace. Peace.